Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Getting out of the third chapter of Jonah today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Most of these verses will be on the screen. You can follow along as I read in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, The Clock is Ticking and Judgment is Coming. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for giving us these stories for our examples. And I pray today that we would hear your voice and heed your call. Lord, I thank you for America, even with all of our shortcomings as a nation. God, I thank you that there are people in this country that lift up their voice to give you praise. And we praise you today. We give you honor and glory. We recognize you as the only true God. And I ask you, God, to anoint me to say the things that would honor you and give us ears to hear what you tell us today. We ask that you be our teacher from your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been preaching and we've been reading from the book of Jonah for a couple of weeks now. Jonah is actually still the book of the month. It was the book of the month in June and it's now still the book of the month in July even though it's one of the shortest books we've read in a long time I want you to continue to read through the book of Jonah in the month of July not just to read it but hear me to get something out of it not just to get something out of it for knowledge but to get something out of it that you can apply to your life that will cause you to be more of who God created you to be. We've, we've already looked at chapter 1 a couple of weeks ago from a sermon titled, You Can Run But You Can't Hide. And I told you that God called Jonah to go do something he didn't want to do. How many of y'all know God is like that? God is like that. Our, God's ways are higher than our ways. God has his own plan. And God's plan is always better than our plan. Jonah didn't feel that way. And there are people in this room that have been that way and know people that way, I've heard so many people say, well, pray for my so-and-so. They're running from the Lord. Jonah tried that and found out it doesn't work. And if you're here and you feel like you're running from God in any capacity, uh, let me tell you something. Wherever you go, he'll be there. You can't outrun him and you can't run away from him. So uh, go back and listen. These messages are all online for free. You need to go back and listen to You Can Run, but you can't hide and see the things that we talked about in that message and what Jonah learned, as we looked at the second chapter of Jonah, I preached a message called, How Do I Get Out of This Trap? Jonah found out when you run from the Lord, things go from bad to worse, and he ended up in a fish's belly, maybe a whale, we don't know. Uh, but he ended up in the belly of this giant fish, and I told you then, I'll tell you again, that's not a metaphor. I don't believe that's a story. I, be I believe that's historical, that it, he really did live inside a fish. Well, how can that be? Biologically speaking, the stomach acids, the lack of oxygen, the seaweed. Uh, the Bible says everything's possible with God. And I'm going to tell you this. When God wants to teach you a lesson, 
He doesn't even need a fish to wrap seaweed around your head. And we need to understand that there are consequences to bad behavior. And Jonah ended up stuck in a whale's belly. And things kept going from bad to worse. And then in the end of chapter 2, in verse 10, the Bible says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on to the beach. And so Jonah is now progressing through these different phases of his life. And the Bible tells us we have these stories for our examples. And I want you to know, these are phases of life you will find yourself in. Prior to all this, Jonah had already been preaching, following God, serving God. Uh, hopefully you've been in that phase in your life. Then God asked him to do something that wasn't in his wheelhouse. He asked him to go to a people that he was racially opposed to. He did not want the Ninevites to repent and uh Love the same God he loved because he was a racist. You might have been in that area of your life or God asked you to do something that you said, well, God, I've done for you before, but I'm not going to do this. That happens a lot of times uh, right after I finish preaching and before we dismiss. Anybody know what we do typically between the end of preaching and dismissal? Take the offering. That's a lot of times people say, well, Lord, I'll do certain stuff for you, but not that. That's where Jonah found himself. He was following God, obeying God in certain ways, but when it felt hard to him, he said, no, listen, there are repercussions to telling God no. If you were raised in a good family, it doesn't matter to me if it was your mom, your dad, a step-parent, uh, a grandmother, a big mama, an auntie, uh, or, or a coach that you had. If you had a good person involved in your raising, if they told you what to do and you told them no. Now, if you were raised really, really good and you were sitting in a room and the, 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 the authority person, whoever it was, told one of the kids in the room to do something and they looked up and said, no, you ducked. You wasn't even the one in trouble, but you, you just knew so. Oh, what? Hey, that's not right. We don't do like that. Uh, but in the body of Christ, people have become comfortable telling God no. Jonah told God no, and it cost him. And you might be in that phase in your life. You do certain things for God, but you're holding certain things back. There's, 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 there's consequences for that. You end up in a stinky fish's belly and life around you starts to stink some people wonder why life's not going right for them well we reap what we sow what goes around comes around but Jonah finally gets out of the fish God orders that fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach and oh if, if, if I knew exactly what you were going through right now I'd love to see you do what Jonah did which is cry out to the Lord and see God spit you out of your trouble if you don't hear anything else, hear this today. God can order whatever is hindering you to leave you alone. God can order whatever's bothering you to stop bothering you. And God can order whatever's got a hold on you to let you loose. You just got to call out to God. That brings us to chapter 3. After you run from the Lord, you've been caught, spent time in the whale's belly, get back on dry ground, it's time to obey the Lord. And this is the phase that we need to look at today really truly obeying the Lord it's less popular to obey God than it ever has been around the world 
churches are declining around the world. The pandemic was a convenient excuse for governments to tell citizens to stop going to church. And so they stopped going to church, blamed it on COVID and wisdom. Uh, well, now that all that's not behind us, but different, people never came back. And that's not just abundant life. That's churches, not just in America, all around the world. I, I had somebody talk to me this week about uh, wanting to know what we were looking to do different because their church was in such a state of decline. And, and they said because of post-pandemic, um, well, that's a part of it. But, but it's also post-morality, post-people uh, loving God, post-obedience. There's a lot of post going on that's causing people to slow down. And they were asking me, well, what, what new strategies are you putting in place? Pastor Scott, what, what is your strategy for moving forward and bringing the church out of the post-pandemic era or into the post-pandemic era? I said, same. He said, same what? I, I, I said, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. Now, that's a hymn, but that's real. Well, what's our strategy for growing the church, opening the door. That's always been to me the, 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 the one thing that you should be grateful. If we open the door and let you come in, there's our strategy. Now, you ought to bring your praise and worship with you. If you're going to sit out there, I wish we'd sing different songs. I don't like that one. Well, uh, sing me happy. If you're going to come in here and expect to be sung happy and preached happy, then you are a selfish person that doesn't understand how to walk in Christ on your own. And that's okay if you're brand new in Christ. A baby doesn't know how to stand on their own and walk on their own two feet, but they need to learn at some point. I wish I had two people that understood what I was saying. What's the strategy? Just keep opening the doors and let whosoever will come. Say, sing to the only true God there is. Read from the only true book there is and preach about the only Savior that can save you. That's the strategy. Well, that's not working in America. Okay. Ain't my job to make it work. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And we are an end-time movement. And if you don't see the signs of his coming everywhere, you, you need to wake up and realize the clock is ticking. And guess what else? Judgment is coming. I want us to see three things from this chapter 3 this morning. Number one, the warning God gave, then the response of the people, and the result that followed. Let's look at the warning God gave in verse 1 of chapter 3. Then, when is then, church? After. Life is a journey. You've got where you've been, you got where you are, and you got where you're going. But to get where you're going, you got to get out of where you've been. And you got to do some things to continue to progress. The Bible says that the kingdom of God advances forcefully. It takes effort to move from one level of glory to the next level of glory. And the Bible says then, after Jonah has run, after Jonah has wrecked the whole group of people's lives, made them throw out all the stuff off their ship and almost sink their ship, after Jonah has spent time in the, the belly of the whale and struggle and strain and, and, and 
oppression after he's been through all that, after he repents, after God delivers him from his crisis. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a what? A second time. This is, this is so big right here. I wish you would get this. God wants to speak to you again. I've met so many people that have told me what God has done in their life, what they used to be and where they used to go and how they used to serve and how on fire they used to be and what God said to them in the past. I want you to know this. Just like God spoke to Jonah again, God wants to speak to you again. The question is, are you willing to hear? Now, it ought to excite you that God would speak to you a second time. It ought to excite you that God would continue to speak to someone who follows him that messed up. Anybody? It ought to excite you that God would continue to have a purpose and a plan for your life even after you had seaweed wrapped around your head and you stunk like a fish. It ought to excite you that God doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We live in a culture that throws the baby out with the bathwater, that wants to cancel everything, that if they can find one wrong thing with you, they want to label you as nothing. I'm so thankful God doesn't do like that. I am so thankful that God is not just the God of the second chance. He's the God of another chance. And here comes God speaking to Jonah again in verse 2. He said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. Now, here's what's hilarious. <laughs> verse 2 in chapter 3. It's almost identical to verse 2 in chapter 1. Why? Because God told Jonah the exact same thing. He told him the, listen, John, God told Jonah this same thing two chapters ago, set Jonah on a course of running, bringing hardship on the people that he was connected to, go, went through all types of struggles, changes, and dilemma, and then he finally gets delivered from that. He's got to be excited. I've told y'all before, I've been on some uh, cruise ships, on some fish, fishing ships that when I got back on dry land, I literally bent down and kissed the ground. I've been on some plane. If you've never been in airplane turbulence, uh, I've been on some planes where it hit a pocket and the whole plane just dropped and everybody's drink went right up to the roof and spilled on everybody. Anybody ever been in some mess like that? You fly enough, you're going, hey, let me tell you something. You'd be glad when those tires stop rolling on that runway and they open that door and let you out. Jonah finally been through all that. He probably kissed the ground. He's on, listen, we've been in some stuff. We've been in some sticky situations. I ain't never been stuck inside an animal. I ain't, I ain't never had to spend the night inside the belly of a fish. Oxygen's bad, smell is bad, it's got to be dark in there. It's just trouble. He is in the deepest trouble of his life. He's back on dry ground now, and he can hear God speaking again. This has got to be, hallelujah, good times. This has got to be awesome for Jonah until what? Until he hears what God says. Because what do we want? What we want to do, we, we, we want to skip what God said and move on to what we're ready to do. 
Mm -mm. But God doesn't tell Jonah something different. He tells him exactly the same thing he told him in chapter 1. After you go through all those changes, he still makes you do it. Now, I want to ask you something. I asked my kids their whole life growing up. Wouldn't it just be easier to do what I said the first time? You want to really have this long conversation we're about to have? Those conversations are no good, are they, Seth? Icky, sketchy. You, you, really, you really want to sit here and you, you want to put me through these changes? You want to see me get emotional and blow my stack? You really, you really want to go through the punishment that's coming? Wouldn't it just make more sense just to go on and do it? You see, but here's why some kids stress their parents this way and why some people have a faulty view of God. And I've seen it. And I've seen it in some of y'all's lives. I'll never come back. Well, fine, whatever. Do what God tells you to do. But if you're one of those kind of parents that your children can talk you out of what you got coming, you need to work on your parenting. Funniest thing, my mom's sitting right there. Funniest thing my mom ever said to me. It was one of the scariest things she ever said to me, too. I've told y'all. I, I, I'd gotten in such deep trouble one time. My mom had to come to school to get me. They were throwing me out of school. And I knew it was trouble because, you know, she was a single parent. She had to get off her job, come get a raggedy kid uh, that wouldn't live right. And so I used to think in my mind, if I could get her talking, I'll distract her. Because you ain't been beat till you've been beat by my mother. I mean, this is, this, this is movie worthy. This is, I'm talking about hold your wrist with one hand, beat you from the top of your head to your feet with the other hand while you run around in circles trying to get away from her. There's no getting away from this woman. Trust me on that. She, if she grabs you right now, you've been grabbed. And so I thought, well, I've got to distract her because she is just fired up I brought up 20 different asked her about her job how was work going uh, you know talked about her car uh, and she finally looked at me and she said boy it don't matter how much talking you do in this car I'm still going to beat you naked when we get home <laughs> and I knew that was coming listen so you parents they let your kid, you tell your kids no, and it, uh, not to do something. And they argue with you for 13 seconds or a minute or two minutes or five, and you finally give in and let them have their way. You are teaching them nothing about God's kingdom. God doesn't negotiate down like that. God's in charge. And, and, and I love that about mama. My mama taught me she was in charge, and we had to do what she said because she said so. And there was no explanation given. It was her world. We were just living in it. That's why I did well in the army. I learned how to do what I was told. That's why I did well in the kingdom of God. I learned how to do what I was told. And, and, and here's Jonah. He, he's, he, he ain't ready for this. He's hoping that God would give him a different direction. But God still makes him do it. It's just like life. You want to fuss and argue. Your parent tells you to take out the trash, and you want to argue and fuss about it. Now, if they're a bad parent, you might get over on them, and then the kid walks out of the room. Because, <laughs> you know, parents can get tired, anybody? Parents can, can just like, well, just forget it. I'll take out the trash my own self. And parents get to that spot. Easier than fighting about it. But listen, 
Don't give in to these little terrorists. You're teaching them wrong about the nature and the character of God. When Jonah finally got back right with God, he still had something to do. And guess what he had to do? What God already told him to do before. You don't get out of it just because you got punished. You don't get out of it just because you get right. You don't get out of it just because you don't like it. You still have to do what God told you to do in the first place. So, God doesn't make it any easier on Jonah. He doesn't tell Jonah, well, I know now that, now that you've been through all that, I'm not going to make you do it. No, he still makes him do it. He tells him the same thing in chapter 3. He told him in verse 1. So, we see the same command, but there's a different result. And here's what I want you to hear today. You need to start getting a different result. You need to start getting a different result than what you've been getting. When God tells you to do something, stop trying to negotiate with God. Stop trying to justify why you won't do it and just start doing it. Because God's not going to tell you that it's okay to stop doing what's right. It doesn't matter what changes culturally in America. It doesn't matter if... Uh, American church attendance dwindles to nothing the way it has in Europe. I had lunch a couple of weeks ago with Pastor Bill Schwartz. He's our, he's our Belgium banner back there. Uh, no, that's Wanderson. Bill's up there uh, on the other Belgian banner on this side. Um, I, he, he's, he's ministering all over Europe. He, he told me when he went to this place that, that he lives in that only 2% of the citizens in Ronce, Belgium, attend church. Two percent. Where are the rest of them? At the beach, at the lake, at home, sleeping, doing whatever they're doing. So, and listen, the same thing's going on in America now. We, for the first time in American history, are crossing the 50% barrier of, of Americans who go to church on a regular basis. And I learned this as a kid growing up in England because, you know, America's a young country and, and apples don't fall far from the trees. My sister and I went to England to spend a summer with my dad um, when I was 14 years old. And it was wild, y'all. This was 1977. Um, and we go over there, 77, 78, somewhere in that time frame, and there was purple hair uh, green on this side, purple on that side, shaved, spiked heads, uh, beaded, spiked necklaces, chicks with earrings in the top, loop chain to this piece, loop chain to a safety pin in their face. You're like, well, you see that every day. Well, maybe now. Not in 1977 in America you did it. And, I mean, look, look the, the music was coming from there to here. It's still happening now. What am I telling you? America is following in the footsteps of Europe in so many different ways. And as their churches have declined, many countries less than 10% going to church. We see the same thing happening in America. And it, does, and it becomes acceptable culturally. Do you know 50 years ago, 75 years ago, if you were in a marriage and you were struggling, you wouldn't get a divorce. Uh, one of the reasons why, you would have been outcast. Society would have looked at you different. 70, 80 years ago, you wouldn't have filed bankruptcy when you could have worked your way out of it. Why? 
You would have been outcast. Seventy years ago, you wouldn't be laying home from church on a Sunday for no good reason. Why? Because you would have had a negative social connotation on you. Just because now homosexuality, 75 years ago, if you was gay, and listen, it's been gay people forever. Okay? This ain't new. Nothing new about homosexuality. Uh, It's always been gay people. But 75 years ago, if you were gay, you were gay in the closet. That's where that expression comes from. You you did that behind closed doors. But what's happened? As more and more people start to do certain behavior, it becomes more socially acceptable. And then everybody's like, eh, you know, it just is what it is. We're living in a country right now where we're accepting the fact that people are not in love with God as much as they used to be. And that ought to break your heart. Because every one of us have a friend somewhere, a family member somewhere, a relative that doesn't know Christ and is bound for a devil's hell for eternity. And it ought to break your heart that Christianity is declining in America. And you ought to make sure that Christianity never declines in you. So God tells him to do the same thing. God's not going to change. I've had people tell me for years, Pastor Scott, you're just a dinosaur. You're just an old school. You just still believe uh, and all that hard preaching and holiness, and you just, you don't understand, it's times change. Listen, times change, but God doesn't change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, sin is never going to be in favor with God. Abomination is never going to be in favor with God. Telling God no is never going to be in favor with God. Jonah's thinking he's going to get off because some things have changed. No, same command. But fortunately for Jonah, he gets, gives a different result. And if you don't hear anything, I'm going to tell it again so you get it. God's not going to stop telling you to do what's right. Well, when is God going to be okay with, with my choices? If your choices oppose the written word of God, never. Well, when's God just going to leave me alone and let me do my thing? Never. God is not that way. The Lord is not going to change. Listen to verse 3. It says, this time, <laughs> this time, uh, what? this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's voice. If this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's voice, what happened last time? He didn't obey the Lord's voice. Listen, you need to have a this time moment. I came today as a prophet of God to tell you today can be your this time. Or you can still be stuck. You can have a this time or you can get what you've been getting. If you want different than what you've had, you need to have a this time moment the way Jonah had a this time moment. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. So many people in the body of Christ are stuck on what we call it, well, I'm in a rut. You know, I'm just kind of going through the motions. Why? Because you're still doing what you've been doing. God hasn't changed what he expects out of you, but you've told him no so long, you've got comfortable telling him no. You are headed for that destruction the same way Jonah went, but this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. If I wanted just to get an emotional decision out of you, we'd stop the service right now and just have everybody come to the altar that's ready for a this time moment. Because America needs a this time. Our city needs a this time. You need a this time. What are you going to do this time, Christian? Sir, ma'am, young person, what are you going to do this time? 
When, when, when God's telling you the same thing, he's like, well, I just want him to tell me something different. I want him to tell me it's okay not to pay the tithe and give the offering. I want him to tell me it's okay not to read my Bible every day. I want him to tell me it's okay if I don't have to pray all the time. I want, to tell, I want him to tell me it's okay that I can fight my way back when people are mean to me. I want him to tell me it's okay I can cuss somebody out when they're cussing me out. I want him to tell me it's okay I don't have to put money in the offering plate. I want him to tell me it's okay that I don't have to sing praise and worship to God. I w- that's never, ever going to happen. It's not going to happen. God's not going to change. Guess who has to change? Who? And that's why there's empty chairs in the room. Because we don't live in a culture full of people that want to bend to the command of another. We live in a culture of people that want to do what they want to do. But Jonah had a this time. And the Bible says we have these stories for our examples. And I want you to know you can have a this time. If you're a Christian, you can let the past be the past. And you can start saying uh, what, what you ought to have been saying the whole time. That I'm going to do what God told me to do. Just like Jonah says, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been easier to do that from the beginning? Ah, oh, if we had the time and enough honest people in the room. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd love to hear it. I'm a curious type of person. I'd love to hear what your, your whale story was. God told you to do something. You, you, you left. You decided not to do it. And, and what, what did it end up in? Divorce? Devastation? Destruction? What did, what did it end up in? Bankruptcy? What did it end up in? Hardship? Jonah had his backsliding time, but this time was different. Say different. This time is different. God told Jonah, take this warning to Nineveh. It's a city so large. It took three days. Nineveh, they say, was 60 miles in circumference. That'd be a big city in America right now. That was a huge city uh, in in the world in that time. Look at verse 4. Jonah 3, 4 says, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now, look at Jonah. He's already come through all his backsliding, come through his telling God no. He's finally doing what God told him to do, but see how he does it. See, see, see the way he did it. At, on the day he entered the city, he didn't get there and get comfortable. He didn't ease his way into obedience. And I came to tell you, there is no way to ease your way into being who God wants you to be. This, this, this is like, you really want to teach somebody how to swim? Now, I mean, I don't know if they quit the church for this reason. Back when I lived in, on, on the lake in Lake Asbury, we had a family coming, and their son was scared to death of the water. Uh, y'all, y'all remember Big Troy. His son was like four years old. That little blonde hair. Y'all remember that little blonde hair boy? He wouldn't get everybody. We had like 200 people at my house that day. We were having baptism. And this one little kid. All the other kids in the water, they're all playing. We're riding jet skis. We're, we're having big fun. Uh, and, and this little kid, he just wouldn't go in the water. And his dad's like, I don't know. You know I, I, I just love to see him get in the water. I said, you want to see him get in the water? I said, well, come here. I picked him up, threw him off the dock into the water. I don't do that kind of stuff no more. I've grown a little bit. That's not my child. I should have heaved a four-year-old into the water. God forgave me for that. Um, But guess what? He started swimming. 
How many of y'all know there's no way to ease your way into really, you, you ever tried to get into a really cold, well, I wish your husband was here. He quit playing around in some other state. Um, he, he'd come back. Uh, I'd make fun of him to his face instead on tape. And she said he's listening. What's up, Jimmy? Um, he is crazy. But he's a great guy. He loves the Lord. What's he crazy about? A lot of things, but this in particular. They have a in-ground swimming pool in their house. Nice, beautiful, concrete around it, patio, back porch, screened in, and everything. And, and for some of y'all that think it's always hot in Florida, it ain't. And that it gets cold, and guess what happens to the water? It gets cold. Guess what Elder Jimmy does anyhow? Still gets in it. Do you get in the cold water? I hear him trying to stop talking, man. Uh, <laughs> do you get in the water as cold as he gets in? Now, here's what I know about getting in cold water. If you go and sit, sit by the edge and try to put your feet in it, you will talk yourself out of that. You'll be like, no, nah, not today. Too cold. We're going to have to wait till that warms up a little bit. But if you just throw that sliding glass door open and you just jump right on in, well, you're in it now. The best, and that's the best way to get in cold water, and that's the best way to get into obedience. What am I saying? Jump in. You can't ease in. You can't ease in to being the man God wants you to be. You can't ease in to being the woman, the young person God wants you to be. If you want to have your now moment, if you want to have your change, if you really want to go from being in, in the trouble spot to being in the blessed spot, you got to do it the way Jonah did. As soon as he entered the city, he started shouting. He didn't come in on the sneak, on the slide. God said, judgment's coming. Hey, psst, 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 psst. Like the, like the dope man on, on, on Firestone. Hey, psst, 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 psst. No, he came in shouting, and it is, it is past time for the body of Christ to be quiet. It is past time for us just to be hiding in corners, whispering that we love the Lord and telling people what God said. No, he comes in shouting, and if you're going to have your, your, your new life, if you're going to have your advancement in Christ, if, if you're going to wake up and have a this time moment, you're going to have to jump all the way in from the get-go so here we got Jonah doing what God said to do God told him in chapter one go do it he didn't do it lots of trouble came after now he's got his this time moment God still wants him to do the same thing because that's the kind of God we serve so he comes in and he starts preaching he starts giving this warning he says 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed notice he didn't say Nineveh might be destroyed notice he didn't say what could happen. He, he didn't say maybe in a couple weeks, maybe in a couple of months, end up sweet by and by. He said 40 days from now, Nineveh will be. Listen, that's a bold statement. Put a time frame on something. That, that's really specific. Now, in the natural, he's got to be thinking, well, what if, I'm, what if it doesn't happen in 40 days? How bad am I going to look? Well, he, he didn't give time to rational thinking. Somebody tell us, why did he say in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed? Because that's what God told him to say. It's not our job to wonder what's going to happen after we do what God said to do. It's just our job to do it. Shakespeare said it well. Ours is not the reason why. Ours is but to do or die. My mama said it well. Shut up and do what I said because I said it. We've got to learn how to do what God said without fear of, well, what if it don't work out? 
Well, I have egg on my face. Well, what if I say God said it and God didn't? Well, if God said it, you can say it. See, that's why I like to have chapter and verse on it and not what God told me at 3.30 in the morning after I was still awake my stomach was hurting because I had Mexican food. He came in shouting 40 days from now. Here, here's the one that was hiding is now shouting. You want life to get better? Stop going the wrong way from God and start shouting in the direction God sent you in. 40 days is specific. 40 days, number 40 has often been used as a, as a time of testing, a time of impending judgment. It rained 40 days and, and 40 nights. Uh, Moses spent 40 days on Mount Sinai. The 12 spies spied out Palestine for 40 days. Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus fasted for 40 days. And here God gives Nineveh 40 days to prepare for judgment. I want you to see something important about this. The people of Nineveh had a luxury we do not have. They knew how long it was going to be. The day after Jonah said 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The day after he said that, how many days they have left? 39. The day after that, how many days they have left? 38. They knew. They knew. They he said it. They could put they could look at it on the Oh, 40 days from now? Let me see. 40 days. So you telling me on Tuesday, this day, blah, blah, blah. 40 days. They had a luxury. They knew when judgment was coming. Guess what? We don't. You don't have 40 days to get ready. I can't stand up here and tell you that. You may have longer. You may have way less. I promise you this. We are in the last days. The Bible says that one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to, to give an account for the way we've lived our lives. That day is coming, and we are closer to it today than we were yesterday. And whether it happens in a day, a week, or in a year, I don't know. But I can tell you this. The clock is ticking. And judgment is coming. The clock is ticking on your life, sir. The clock is ticking on your life, ma'am. The clock is ticking. And without repentance, judgment is coming. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters... We don't really need to write you. They're like, well, we ain't putting a day on it. God had Jonah put a day on it for the people in that city. They knew. They, 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 they knew their time frame. Verse 2 in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. Now, you know this for sure. If you knew exactly what moment Jesus was going to come back. If I told you right now, Jesus is going to come back, and, and, and it was real, not me just making it up. If God told you that this whole thing is going to end at 12.15 p.m. today, 36 minutes from now, it's all over. You think you'd live different in the next 36 minutes? If God told you 7 p.m. tonight, the Lord's coming for your soul, you think you'd live different? Well, not me. Well, you need medication and adult supervision. We don't know the hour. That's why the Bible says you got to keep oil in your lamp all the time. You don't know the hour. That's why you got to be ready all the time. Verse 3 says, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be 
no escape. If you don't get ready in advance, you're just going to be caught with no escape. Verse 4 says, but you aren't in the dark. If you're a Christian, you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. Now, I want you to look in the middle of that verse. This is talking to brothers and sisters. This is talking to Christians. We, it says you aren't in the dark. That's from God's perspective. How many of y'all know there's lots of Christians that are living like they're in the dark? It, it says you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. That's from God's perspective. How many of y'all know if God comes back today, it's going to be a lot of people surprised? So let me ask you this. Are you living like you're in the dark? Or are you living like Jesus is right next to you? Let me ask you this. If he comes back today, will you be surprised? I've had people telling me for 40 years preaching this gospel, Pastor Scott, do you really believe that the Lord could come back anytime? I've answered it the same way for 40 years. I'll answer it the same way today. Uh, you ask me, are you, do I really believe the Lord could come back anytime? I'm surprised he hadn't already come back. I absolutely believe he could come back today, right now. I wish he would come back right now. I would have to finish this sermon. Any one of y'all just pick up the mic and preach once I'm gone. After the rapture, declare yourself pastor if you're still here. Amen? Somebody's like, ooh, cool. I always wanted to be the pastor. <laughs> Not that way. Verse 5 says, for you are children of the light and of the day. This is what God says. But how many of y'all know there are Christians that are not living like they're children of the light and of the day? It says we don't belong to darkness and night. God says you don't belong to the darkness. You don't belong to the night. You don't belong to this evil world system. Stop living like you do. You wonder why life don't fall into place for you? Because you got one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, and it doesn't work well for you. Verse 6 says, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. This is the warning that God has given to us. Nineveh had a time frame put on their warning. We don't have a time frame. We've just been told he's coming. Be ready. You ought to just remind yourself. You ought to just start saying that everywhere you go. He's coming. Be ready. You ought to remind yourself to be ready every day. This could be the day. And I promise you, most people have Twenty to 2,000 things left that they need to get right before he comes. But once he comes, they're going to have no time to get it right. Whatever you need to be doing, get doing it now. Whoever you need to be reconciled with, get reconciled now. Whoever you need to uh, make amends with, make amends now. Because the clock is ticking and judgment is coming. We see the warning God gave. He gave them a time frame. He told them that, that, it, that judgment is coming. He told them what was going to happen. Now I want us to see the response of the people. In verse 5, the Bible says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now burlap, you know, old burlap sack. It was customary in that time when people were going through something emotionally, uh, spiritually, some type of shame, some type of sorrow, some type of grief that they would put on sacks to show their sorrow. But what I want you to see, more important than that, is the beginning of the verse. They believed God's message. Who did? The people of Nineveh. Well, who are these people of Nineveh? These are godless heathen who hate God and hate God's people, who have been violently opposed and oppressors of God's people since the beginning of time, 
But right now, Jonah's worst fear is imagined. Remember what I told you in chapter 1, the reason when God told him, go to Nineveh and preach to them that they'll repent, Jonah's like, no, those people hate me, they hate my people, they're racially against us, and we're racially against them. And he didn't want to go preach to them because he was scared to death they'd come to Christ. I wonder, do you want your oppressors saved? Do you want your enemies saved? Do you want people who have done you wrong? I can't get what they got coming to them. God got a special place in hell for them. That's not Christian thinking. And I can say this, honestly, before God right now. I don't now, nor have I ever, hated anybody to the point where I wished hell on them. What kind of Christian are you, you wish hell on somebody? What, what, what kind of understanding do you have about hell that you would wish that on a human being? You need to wish repentance on people. Jonah's greatest fear comes to pass. The people of Nineveh, these godless, racist, hateful anti-Jehovah, anti-Hebrew people, they believe God's message from the biggest to the smallest. They, they decided uh, that they were going to repent and they were going to show their sorrow. If godless people can hear the warning and change their lifestyle, why is it every week across the world people hear the warning of God and do nothing to change? I'm going to tell you why. Because the people in Nineveh believed that judgment was coming, and they didn't want it. See, we're too comfortable as a nation. We are too comfortable. We don't go through stuff. Uh, Nixa could tell you, Nixa travels outside. Well, I guess Puerto Rico's kind of outside the country. I mean, you got, you, you, you know, it's, you got to get on a plane to get there or a boat. Um, but do people in, do people in La Isla Bonita, front of some of you non-fluent people, that's the beautiful island. So are, are, are there people in, in the beautiful island who have to endure power outages? Is that, is, that, is that uncommon to them or do they know it's coming? Are there people in the beautiful island that have to live life without air con? Around the world they call it air con. We call it AC. Are, are, are there people in the beautiful island whose internet goes down a lot? Oh, it happens all the time. We're so comfortable in America. We got people bashing, bad-mouthing America, burning flags, talking bad about America. You know if your power goes out for five minutes, you are in freak-out mode. They live in Puerto Rico. It was months that one time, wasn't it? Months. No electricity. What I'm going to do with my her? Well, first thing you need to do is learn to say hair. Because her is the opposite of him. But what, what, how, you, no electricity. We would freak out. And I'm not just talking about y'all. Man, Seth's sitting in here. He knows. Electricity goes out in my house. We start packing a bag. We're going to a hotel. And sometimes the electricity's come back on while we were packed. And I'm like, we already packed. We're still going. We have it so easy in America. 
this country that the media wants you to hate. We have it so easy in America, this country, that woke people want, want to act like is a horrible place to be while millions of people risk life and limb to come here every year. We, we have it so good in America that we, we, we can't even believe that bad days are coming. Listen, extra, extra, read all about it. News flash, current events, bad days are coming. These godless heathen that didn't even like Jonah, they, hate, they were so racist against God's people, they wanted to kill all of them. This man comes in their city screaming at them, saying his God is going to destroy their city. The natural response would have been, shoot that dude. But what did they do? They believed the word of the Lord. And they repented. we become too comfortable. We have become too comfortable. What a concept. People believing in God and changing their lifestyle. What a concept. And I know people are saying, oh, I wish America would have a revival. Wouldn't it be great to see America turn to God? Uh, yeah. It'd be even greater to see you turn to God. Because there is nobody, and I don't care how, how saved, sanctified you think you are, there is nobody in this room or on this planet that's doing every single thing God has told them to do. Every one of us need to press in and obey God more. The people of Nineveh, they believed God's message, and they did something about it. Now the Bible says we have these stories for our example. I just told you, listen to these two things again, because here's a test coming. They believed God's message, and they did something about it. We have these stories for our example. God wants us to learn from these other people's lives. They did something. They believed God's message, and they did something about it. If that's the story we have for our example, guess what God wants us to do? Believe what he said and what? Do something about it. We're all comfortable. We're all just all sitting back. We're all sitting there doing our thing with no thought in mind. Listen, if it breaks out, if people get what they want, <laughs> one, one, one writer said uh, the greatest justice would, would, to be, would, would, to, would be to give people who want the wrong form of government exactly what they want. Okay. Uh, let, let's try that. Let, let's go ahead and empty out all the prisons. We'll start with your house. We'll send them all to you. Well, we just need to shut down the prison pipeline. Okay, well, we'll send them all to your house, and we'll, we'll let them live in your backyard. Uh, uh, we just need to have open borders. Okay, we'll open up the borders, and we'll let them all live in your backyard. Oh, you don't want that? You don't like that? You, you, you're not ready for that? Um, let, let's, let's, just defund up, let's just defund the police. Let's, let's just defund the police. Um, Chicago just had another record-setting weekend of, of murders in Chicago that, listen, Hear me good. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Another three-year-old girl got killed in Chicago this week. You can't say her name, though. And you ain't holding no sign saying say her name because you don't care. Why? We're busy doing what we want to do. Oh, we act like we care every now and then when the, when the news media says, let's riot, let's march, let's hold a sign, let's wear a T-shirt, say her name. Everybody knows who Breonna Taylor is. Nobody knows who that three-year-old girl in Chicago is. Why? Because the news didn't tell you to care about a three-year-old little girl in Chicago. We got it too easy. 
We pick it. We pretend to be offended. We pretend to be outraged. And then what? We just go back to doing us. We just go back to doing us. We act like, everybody said, if Donald Trump wins the election, I'm leaving America. Guess how many of them left America? None. None. If, if America don't change its racist ways, let's burn it to the ground. Guess how many cities they've burnt to the, well, they've tried to burn a few down. But guess what happened? They were like, I can't make the march this week. I'm in a Nintendo. I'm in an Xbox tournament. Y'all know how old I am. I'm in a Nintendo tournament. <laughs> All this pretend caring. NFL put Black Lives Matters in the end zone for one season. Then they scraped that off. Now there's just, you know, green turf in the end zone. NBA did the same thing. Woo, look at the NBA. They so woke. Guess what they found out? Get woke, go broke. Now you can't, you don't see that on the court side anymore. What, what's the next thing they're going to have us care about? They got us all fired up about the Ukrainian war with Russia. Nobody talking about that now. Why? Because they're not telling us to care about that now. And we're just puppets to the media's whims and desires. So now what we got to care about is America outlawed abortion. America didn't outlaw abortion. America turned abortion back over to the states. There's plenty of states you're going to be able to get an abortion in. You can still get an abortion in almost every state with certain guys. Well, America ain't woke uh, as the rest of the countries. I, I told the staff, we talked about it this morning, there's only six countries on this planet that allow abortion, elective abortion, full term. America, Canada, North, South, Korea, China, and Vietnam. But we got news channels telling us America took a big step backward for progressive thought uh, and a the majority of the world's country. No, the majority of the world's country don't. The majority of the world's countries have, a, have it made it criminal to get an abortion. But we just, whatever they, boom, 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 boom. Uh, latest news, uh, everybody get mad about what happened. We're mad over here. Oh, forget that. Boom, boom, boom. They beat their drum over here, and everybody get mad about it. Oh, we're mad about that. Oh, no, that's not making the news. Ahead of boom, 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 boom. Let's get mad about it. I saw four different churches between my house and here with signs that said, we stand with Ukraine. In the last, the, the signs are gone. What happened? Is the war over? No, the media just started beating the drum on the different side of the stage. And we just puppetized. we just the sheep in their flock doing what they tell us to do. Why? Because we're not listening to the voice of the one true living God and staying focused on what he called us to do, which is believe what he said and do something about it. Mm. Y'all don't even have to clap. I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. The word, the word of the Lord is true. In verse 6, the Bible says, When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Even the king is in repentance. But see, here, here's, here's the trick of the devil. The devil knows if he can get you to be mad at black folk, how in the world are they going to be 13% of the population and commit over half violent crime? If he can get you to be mad at white folk with this racist country, stole our people from Africa and brought us over here and kept us enslaved for 400 years, Jim Crow segregation laws, and now we can't even work because the man's foot on our neck. 
You got people working all the way. If they, whatever lie they can tell you, position you to blame somebody else, you never have to change you. All you got to do is live in the victimization status that the media wants you to live in so it can always be somebody else's fault. Well, you know, if, if the government would do this, if the, the governor would do this, if the Congress would do that, if the police department would be this way, if society was, a, what about you? How long are you going to ride everybody else's blame until you have to do something for you? Every, well, ooh, wouldn't it be great? How many of y'all remember when Kanye started having church? Oh, this is going to change the world. Kanye's got a plat. Guess what? Kanye, just a dude that made his label as crazy, getting divorced from some crazy chick. Well, when Kanye came out for the Lord, it was incredible. People were flocking. He started his own church. Two-hour concert, 15 minutes of preaching. But uh, everybody was on it. And, and guess what? Then we just moved on to the next thing. The media wants to keep your mind rattled up and riled up so that you'll never do what these people did. No matter if it was the king or the least among them, they all heard what God said and they did something about it. Verse 7 says, the king and his nobles sent the decree through the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. Do you know how serious you are about something when you start saying you, your animals can't eat? Nobody's eating. We're in a national fast. Even your Don't feed your goldfish. I don't think they had goldfish in Nineveh. But they got serious. Verse 8 said, People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Do you know that... The body of Christ jumps from one trend to the next. How many of y'all remember Brownsville? Brownsville, right here in the state of Florida, revival. They had church every night for years. People were flying across the world to go to this one revival. It's going to change the world. That church don't even exist anymore. They're out of business. The pastor ain't even there anymore. What happened? We just go from one event to one event to one, thinking this is going to change that. Other people are not going to repent for you. And God won't accept their repentance for you. See, the king's making everybody do it, but forced to do stuff don't last. Somebody could force. That's why, that's why rehab doesn't work for most people. If the judge orders you into rehab, you're going to relapse. If you, if you go into rehab to, to save your marriage, you're going to relapse. Only when you want to do it for yourself. And here's what I'm looking for today is somebody who has lived life long enough in Christ that's willing to admit, yeah, I, I, I ran, but I couldn't hide. I tried my own way, and it didn't work out great. And I want a new chance like Jonah got to start over and to do it right. And I, I, whether the king does it or not, I'm going to obey the Lord. See, we, we, God gave the warning. Now we're seeing the response. Listen to verse 9. Here's what they said. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Listen, desperate times call for desperate measures. They were desperate. Answer this question in your mind. Are you desperate 
to serve God? Are you desperate to honor God? Are you desperate to, listen, holding signs and criticizing people, is your, your five negative tweets on social media is not going to change the world. You must become responsible for you. But that only happens when we get desperate. We see the warning. We see the response. Now look at the, the result that followed in verse 10. When God saw what they had done, not what they talked about, not what they held signs up more T-shirts for, but what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, not their government's evil ways, not their neighbor's evil ways, when they put a stop to their own evil ways, God changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. See, God saw what they did, that they turned from evil, and God chose mercy over judgment. Now, I want you to... Gone. Dead. I want you to see that God said he saw their evil ways, and they changed. God is looking for people to change. You can't keep saying, well, when somebody else has changed, I will change. But in this verse, I want you to understand when it says he changed his mind, that is, it's almost the same as when God says the ear of the Lord is open. Which ear? The right ear or the left ear? It's figure of speech. The Bible says God is a spirit and he doesn't have flesh and bones. How, how can he have an ear? God sometimes chooses wording so the human mind can understand uh, something about this great, giant, infinite, eternal God. He didn't really change his mind as in, oh, I didn't see this coming. God knew what was going to happen. In their way of thinking, our repentance changed God's mind. No, God already knew exactly what was going to happen. He doesn't change his mind the way a human being changes his mind. But because of their repentance, he allowed them to see something better. And my question to you today is, would you like to see something better? Get off of the whole world. Get off of an entire race of people. Get off an entire governmental body. Get off an entire city council. Get off a local school board and just think about yourself. Are you ready I ain't changing until everybody else changes. Well, then your world is doomed, and judgment is certain for you. You got to decide. Are you going to respond the right way to get the right result? The right result that they got was God chose uh, mercy over judgment. So here's the point. We need to hear the word that God, we need to hear the warning that God has given. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus began to repent and to teach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want you to know, just like John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Guess what the word of the Lord is today? Repent for the kingdom of heaven. Ah, they've been saying that forever. Yeah, well, that's how only eight people survived the flood. Noah told him for decades, I'm building this boat because God's going to destroy the earth by rain. It had never rained before. They're like, it don't rain. Talking about water falling from the sky. That don't work like that. It's never going to happen. 
They couldn't see it coming. They were too comfortable in the world they were living in. America doesn't see it right now. America would freak out. Do you know if they shut down the entire internet system right now, America would just, just freak out and go nuts and not know what to do? Ah! How am I going to get on IG? There was a world before IG. If they took your snap away from you, you wouldn't know what to do. If the whole electrical grid went down in America right now, the way it goes down in countries all around the world, it's already happening. I was talking to a friend of mine in California the other day. Could, could, couldn't power up their cell phone because the they, uh, phone died and they, and, and they went through a brownout. They had to borrow somebody else's cell phone. When their cell phone died, they called me back. I'm like, a brownout? They have brownouts in California? Yep. New York, too. You know how freaked out Jacksonville would be if they just said, you know, four hours a day, we're just going to shut off everybody's internet and electricity. It wouldn't even matter. There's no four hours you could deal with that. Well, do it between 2 and 6 in the morning. I'll be asleep. You wake up and get too hot. We've gotten so comfortable, we can't imagine judgment really coming our way. Hear me well. The word of the Lord. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Lord is coming back. And he is what Santa Claus is not. He is the one who sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So you better get your life right, for goodness sake. Not only do we need to hear this warning, but we need to respond to this warning. By true repentance, turning away from our sin and desperately seeking God. Every year we go into a 21-day time of fasting and consecration. And people set aside things. Like, I'm not going to do this for 21 days. And then they tell me, man, since I did stop doing that, things have gotten better. Guess what they do when the 21 days is officially over? Just go right back to it. What's it going to take for you to truly repent? I don't know what area you need to repent in. I know this. There's, some, there's certain things that are requisite to pleasing our Father. Prayer, Bible study, evangelism, praise, worship, giving, connecting with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ using your gifts and talents in the local church that God has established to be his hands and feet throughout the earth? What is it that you, not for 21 days, not as a fad, but as a true desperation that says, I, I want what God has for me. If you want the same result they got, what, what, what did they get? God didn't destroy their city. God gave them mercy. God did not judge them. I'm going to tell you this and I'm done. I've been saying it for years. Repent before it hits the fan. I don't know if the man is guilty or not. I know the largest church in Jacksonville won't even let their pastor come on the property. Now they got a trespass warning against him, and they're suing him, and he's suing them, and they're threatening prison time on this dude. He can't even go in his office and get his own personal belongings. I don't know if he did what they say he did, but that's in our own city. 
You say, well, I'm glad I'm not a pastor. I can do what I want to do. It's just not true. You're a child of God. The Bible doesn't say, be ye holy and pastors, be ye holier. The command of holiness is the same for all of us. And just like all these pastors should have got their lives right before they got exposed and it crushed them, same thing's true for every one of us. If you're in a place right now where you can repent and avoid the impending danger, would it be smart to do it? The choice is yours. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. The warning is judgment's coming. Their response was repentance, and the result was mercy and not judgment. I want to see you avoid the judgment that is coming your way because I declare to you today, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming for all non-repentant people everywhere. That's me, that's you, that's everyone. And the Bible says that for things to get better, it's got to first start in the house of God. I don't know what it is you need to get right, but I'm urging you today, get right. Some of you are like Jonah. You're serving God. You're doing some things right, but other things you're not you're not doing you're telling God no in certain areas start saying yes to God his way is better his path is straight and his way is the right way hear the word of the Lord judgment's coming the clock is ticking and judgment is coming you can avoid it just like Nineveh avoided it if you'll truly repent and start saying yes to God you can have your then moment. Then you'll get the mercy and the grace and the blessing of God on your life. I want to see you blessed. I don't wish hell on anybody. If you're here and you're not saved, you ought to get saved today. You don't have to walk this out and shake my hand. You just got to cry out and ask God to save you and he'll do the rest. If you're here and you are saved, you ought to re repent today. Whatever that means. Some of y'all wasn't even planning on coming to get free chicken and ribs tonight. You ought to come back. Start being all in for God. I'll tell you something that shouldn't be a secret to you. He's already proved he's all in for you. He gave his best on the cross, and it's time for us to give him everything that we have. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this warning. God, I thank you for grace and mercy. And, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins. Lord, I pray that you would set our hearts focused on you. You are the one true living God. There's no one like you, and no one deserves what you deserve. Forgive us, God, for giving you less than what we should have. And help us, God, to serve you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I pray you'd increase our love for each other and our love for you as you've commanded us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.